0: part three chapter eight of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett The librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three chapter eight conclusion all the crimes and villainies that had been perpetrated were discovered with extraordinary rapidity much more quickly than pyotr stepanovitch had expected to begin with the luckless marya Ignatyevna waked up before daybreak on the night of her husband's murder missed him and flew into indescribable agitation not seeing him beside her the woman who had been hired by anna prohorovna and was there for the night could not succeed in calming her and as soon as it was daylight ran to fetch arina prohorovna herself assuring the invalid that the latter knew where her husband was and when he would be back meantime arina prohorovna was in some anxiety too she had already heard from her husband of the deed perpetrated that night at skvoreshniki he had returned home about eleven o'clock in a terrible state of mind and body wringing his hands he flung himself face downwards on his bed and shaking with convulsive sobs kept repeating it's not right it's not right it's not right at all he ended of course by confessing it all to arina prohorovna but to no one else in the house she left him on his bed sternly impressing upon him that if he must blubber he must do it in his pillow so as not to be overheard and that he would be a fool if he showed any traces of it next day she felt somewhat anxious however and began at once to clear things up in case of emergency she succeeded in hiding or completely destroying all suspicious papers books manifestos, perhaps at the same time she reflected that she her sister her aunt her sister-in-law the student and perhaps even her long-eared brother had really nothing much to be afraid of when the nurse ran to her in the morning she went without a second thought to marya ignatyevna's she was desperately anxious moreover to find out whether what her husband had told her that night in a terrified and frantic whisper that was almost like delirium was true that is whether pyotr stepanovitch had been right in his reckoning that kirillov would sacrifice himself for the general benefit but she arrived at marya ignatyevna's too late when the latter had sent off the woman and was left alone she was unable to bear the suspense she got out of bed and throwing round her the first garment she could find something very light and unsuitable for the weather i believe she ran down to kirillov's lodge herself thinking that he perhaps would be better able than anyone to tell her something about her husband the terrible effect on her of what she saw there may well be imagined it is remarkable that she did not read kirillov's last letter which lay conspicuously on the table overlooking it of course in her fright she ran back to her room snatched up her baby and went with it out of the house into the street it was a damp morning there was a fog she met no passers-by in such an out-of-the-way street she ran on breathless through the wet cold mud and at last began knocking at the doors of the houses in the first house no one came to the door in the second they were so long in coming that she gave it up impatiently and began knocking at a third door this was the house of a merchant called titov here she wailed and kept declaring incoherently that her husband was murdered causing a great flutter in the house something was known about shatov in his story in the titov household they were horror-stricken that she should be running about the streets in such attire and in such cold with the baby scarcely covered in her arms when according to her story she had only been confined the day before they thought at first that she was delirious especially as they could not make out whether it was kirillov who was murdered or her husband seeing that they did not believe her she would have run on farther but they kept her by force and i am told she screamed and struggled terribly they went to philipov's and within two hours kirillov's suicide and the letter he had left were known to the whole town the police came to question marya ignatyevna who was still conscious and it appeared at once that she had not read kirillov's letter and they could not find out from her what had led her to conclude that her husband had been murdered she only screamed that if kirillov was murdered then her husband was murdered they were together towards midday she sank into a state of unconsciousness from which she never recovered and she died three days later the baby had caught cold and died before her arina prohorovna not finding marya ignatyevna and the baby and guessing something was wrong was about to run home but she checked herself at the gate and sent the nurse to inquire of the gentleman at the lodge whether marya ignatyevna was not there and whether he knew anything about her the woman came back screaming frantically persuading her not to scream and not to tell anyone by the time-honoured argument that she would get into trouble she stole out of the yard it goes without saying that she was questioned the same morning as having acted as midwife to marya ignatyevna but they did not get much out of her she gave a very cool and sensible account of all she had herself heard and seen at shatov's but as to what had happened she declared that she knew nothing and could not understand it it may well be imagined what an uproar there was in the town a new sensation another murder but there was another element in this case it was clear that a secret society of murderers incendiaries and revolutionists did exist did actually exist liza's terrible death the murder of stavrogin's wife stavrogin himself the fire the ball for the benefit of the governesses the laxity of manners and morals in yulia mihailovna's circle even in the disappearance of stepan trofimovitch people insisted on scenting a mystery all sorts of things were whispered about nikolay vsyevolodovitch by the end of the day people knew of pyotr stepanovitch's absence too and strange to say less was said of him than of any one what was talked of most all that day was the senator there was a crowd almost all day at filipov's house the police certainly were led astray by kirillov's letter they believed that kirillov had murdered shatov and had himself committed suicide yet though the authorities were thrown into perplexity they were not altogether hoodwinked the word park for instance so vaguely inserted in kirillov's letter did not puzzle anyone as pyotr stepanovitch had expected it would the police at once made a rush for skvoreshniki not simply because it was the only park in the neighbourhood but also led thither by a sort of instinct because all the horrors of the last few days were connected directly or indirectly with skvoreshniki that at least is my theory i may remark that varvara petrovna had driven off early that morning in chase of stepan trofimovitch and knew nothing of what had happened in the town the body was found in the pond that evening what led to the discovery of it was the finding of shatov's cap at the scene of the murder where it had been with extraordinary carelessness overlooked by the murderers the appearance of the body the medical examination and certain deductions from it roused immediate suspicions that kirillov must have had accomplices it became evident that a secret society really did exist of which shatov and kirillov were members and which was connected with the manifestoes who were these accomplices no one even thought of any member of the quintet that day it was ascertained that kirillov had lived like a hermit and in so complete a seclusion that it had been possible as stated in the letter for fedka to lodge with him for so many days even while an active search was being made for him the chief thing that worried everyone was the impossibility of discovering a connecting link in this chaos there is no saying what conclusions and what disconnected theories our panic-stricken townspeople would have reached if the whole mystery had not been suddenly solved next day thanks to lyamshin he broke down he behaved as even pyotr stepanovitch had towards the end begun to fear he would left in charge of tolkachenko and afterwards of erkel he spent all the following day lying in his bed with his face turned to the wall apparently calm not uttering a word and scarcely answering when he was spoken to this is how it was that he heard nothing all day of what was happening in the town but tolkachenko who was very well informed about everything took into his head by the evening to throw up the task of watching lyamshin which pyotr stepanovitch had laid upon him and left the town that is to put it plainly made his escape the fact is they lost their heads as Erkel had predicted they would i may mention by the way that liputin had disappeared the same day before twelve o'clock but things fell out so that his disappearance did not become known to the authorities till the evening of the following day when the police went to question his family who were panic-stricken at his absence but kept quiet from fear of consequences but to return to lyamshin as soon as he was left alone erkel had gone home earlier relying on Tolkachenko. he ran out of his house and of course very soon learned the position of affairs without even returning home he too tried to run away without knowing where he was going but the night was so dark and to escape was so terrible and difficult after going through two or three streets he returned home and locked himself up for the whole night i believe that towards morning he attempted to commit suicide but did not succeed he remained locked up till midday and then suddenly he ran to the authorities he is said to have crawled on his knees to have sobbed and shrieked to have kissed the floor crying out that he was not worthy to kiss the boots of the officials standing before him they soothed him were positively affable to him His examination lasted, I am told, for three hours. He confessed everything, everything, told every detail, everything he knew, every point, anticipating their questions, hurried to make a clean breast of it all, volunteering unnecessary information without being asked. It turned out that he knew enough, and presented things in a fairly true light the tragedy of shatov and kirillov the fire the death of the lebyadkins and the rest of it were relegated to the background Pyotr stepanovitch the secret society the organization and the network were put in the first place when asked what was the object of so many murders and scandals and dastardly outrages he answered with feverish haste that it was with the idea of systematically undermining the foundations systematically destroying society and all principles with the idea of nonplussing everyone and making hay of everything and then when society was tottering sick and out of joint cynical and sceptical though filled with an intense eagerness for self-preservation and for some guiding idea suddenly to seize it in their hands raising the standard of revolt and relying on a complete network of quintets which were actively meanwhile gathering recruits and seeking out the weak spots which could be attacked in conclusion he said that here in our town pyotr stepanovitch had organized only the first experiment in such systematic disorder so to speak as a programme for further activity and for all the quintets and that this was his own lyamshin's idea his own theory and that he hoped they would remember it and bear in mind how openly and properly he had given his information and therefore might be of use hereafter being asked definitely how many quintets there were he answered that there were immense numbers of them that all russia was overspread with a network and although he brought forward no proofs i believe his answer was perfectly sincere he produced only the programme of the society printed abroad and the plan for developing a system of future activity roughly sketched in pyotr stepanovitch's own handwriting it appeared that lyamshin had quoted the phrase about undermining the foundation word for word from this document not omitting a single stop or comma though he had declared that it was all his own theory of yulia mihailovna he very funnily and quite without provocation volunteered the remark that she was innocent and had been made a fool of but strange to say he exonerated Nikolai stavrogin from all share in the secret society from any collaboration with pyotr stepanovitch lyamshin had no conception of the secret and very absurd hopes that pyotr stepanovitch was resting on stavrogin according to his story nikolay stavrogin had nothing whatever to do with the death of the levyadkins which had been planned by pyotr stepanovitch alone and with the subtle aim of implicating the former in the crime and therefore making him dependent on pyotr but instead of the gratitude on which pyotr stepanovitch had reckoned with shallow confidence he had roused nothing but indignation and even despair in the generous heart of nikolay he wound up by a hint evidently intentional volunteered hastily that stavrogin was perhaps a very important personage but that there was some secret about that that he had been living among us so to say incognito that he had some commission and that very possibly he would come back to us again from petersburg lyamshin was convinced that stavrogin had gone to petersburg but in quite a different capacity and in different surroundings in the suite of persons of whom perhaps we should soon hear and that all this he had heard from pyotr stepanovitch nikolay vsyevolodovitch's secret enemy here i will note that two months later lyamshin admitted that he had exonerated stavrogin on purpose hoping that he would protect him and would obtain for him a mitigation in the second degree of his sentence and that he would provide him with money and letters of introduction in siberia From this confession it is evident that he had an extraordinarily exaggerated conception of stavrogin's powers. On the same day, of course, the police arrested Virginsky and in their zeal took his whole family too. Arina Prohorovna, her sister, aunt and even the girl-student were released long ago. They say that Shigalov too will be set free very shortly because he cannot be classed with any of the other prisoners, but all that is so far only gossip. Virginsky at once pleaded guilty. He was lying ill with fever when he was arrested i am told that he seemed almost relieved it was a load off his heart he is reported to have said it is rumoured that he is giving his evidence without reservation but with a certain dignity and has not given up any of his bright hopes though at the same time he curses the political method as opposed to the socialist one in which he had been unwittingly and heedlessly carried by the vortex of combined circumstances his conduct at the time of the murder has been put in a favourable light and i imagine that he too may reckon on some mitigation of his sentence that at least is what is asserted in the town but i doubt whether there is any hope for mercy in erkel's case ever since his arrest he has been obstinately silent or has misrepresented the facts as far as he could not one word of regret has been wrung from him so far yet even the sternest of the judges trying him has been moved to some compassion by his youth by his helplessness by the unmistakable evidence that he is nothing but a fanatical victim of a political impostor and most of all by his conduct to his mother to whom as it appears he used to send almost the half of his small salary his mother is now in the town she is a delicate and ailing woman aged beyond her years she weeps and positively grovels on the ground imploring mercy for her son whatever may happen many among us feel sorry for erkel liputin was arrested in petersburg where he had been living for a fortnight his conduct there sounds almost incredible and is difficult to explain he is said to have had a passport in a forged name and quite a large sum of money upon him and had every possibility of escaping abroad yet instead of going he remained in petersburg he spent some time hunting for stavrogin and pyotr stepanovitch suddenly he took to drinking and gave himself up to a debauchery that exceeded all bounds like a man who had lost all reason and understanding of his position he was arrested in petersburg drunk in a brothel there is a rumour that he has not by any means lost heart that he tells lies in his evidence and is preparing for the approaching trial hopefully and as it were triumphantly he even intends to make a speech at the trial tolkachenko who was arrested in the neighbourhood ten days after his flight behaves with incomparably more decorum he does not shuffle or tell lies he tells all he knows does not justify himself blames himself with all modesty though he too has a weakness for rhetoric he tells readily what he knows and when knowledge of the peasantry and the revolutionary elements among them is touched upon He positively attitudinizes and is eager to produce an effect he too is meaning i am told to make a speech at the trial neither he nor liputin seem very much afraid curious as it seems i repeat that the case is not yet over now three months afterwards local society has had time to rest has recovered has got over it has an opinion of its own so much so that some people positively look upon pyotr stepanovitch as a genius or at least as possessed of some characteristics of a genius organization they say at the club holding up a finger but all this is very innocent and there are not many people who talk like that others on the other hand do not deny his acuteness but point out that he was utterly ignorant of real life that he was terribly theoretical grotesquely and stupidly one-sided and consequently shallow in the extreme as for his moral qualities all are agreed about that there are no two opinions i do not know whom to mention next so as not to forget any one mavriky nikolaevitch has gone away for good i don't know where old madame drozdov has sunk into dotage i have still one very gloomy story to tell however i will confine myself to the bare facts on her return from varvara petrovna stayed at her townhouse. all the accumulated news broke upon her at once and gave her a terrible shock she shut herself up alone it was evening everyone was tired and went to bed early in the morning a maid with a mysterious air handed a note to darya pavlovna the note had so she said arrived the evening before but late when all had gone to bed so that she had not ventured to wake her it had not come by post, but had been put in Alexey Yegoritch's hand in Skvoreshniki by some unknown person, and Alexey Yegoritch had immediately set off and put it into her hands himself, and had then returned to Skvoreshniki. For a long while Darya Pavlovna gazed at the letter with a beating heart, and dared not open it. She knew from whom it came. The writer was Nikolai Stavrogin. She read what was written on the envelope, to alexey yegoritch to be given secretly to darya pavlovna here is the letter word for word without the slightest correction of the defects and style of a russian aristocrat who had never mastered the russian grammar in spite of his european education dear darya pavlovna at one time you expressed a wish to be my nurse and made me promise to send for you when i wanted you i am going away in two days and shall not come back will you go with me last year like herzen i was naturalized as a citizen of the canton of yuri and that nobody knows there i've already bought a little house i've still twelve thousand roubles left we will go and live there forever i don't want to go anywhere else ever it's a very dull place a narrow valley the mountains restrict both vision and thought it's very gloomy i chose the place because there was a little house to be sold if you don't like it i'll sell it and buy another in some other place i am not well but i hope to get rid of hallucinations in that air it's physical and as for the moral you know everything but do you know all i've told you a great deal of my life but not all even to you not all by the way i repeat that in my conscience i feel myself responsible for my wife's death i haven't seen you since then that's why i repeat it i feel guilty about lizaveta nikolaevna too but you know about that you foretold almost all that better not come to me my asking you to is a horrible meanness and why should you bury your life with me you are dear to me and when i was miserable it was good to be beside you only with you i could speak of myself aloud but that proves nothing you defined it yourself a nurse it's your own expression why sacrifice so much grasp this too that i have no pity for you since i ask you and no respect for you since i reckon on you and yet i ask you and i reckon on you in any case i need your answer for i must set off very soon in that case i shall go alone i expect nothing of uri i am simply going i have not chosen a gloomy place on purpose i have no ties in russia everything is as alien to me there as everywhere it's true that i dislike living there more than anywhere but i can't hate anything even there i've tried my strength everywhere you advised me to do this that i might learn to know myself as long as i was experimenting for myself and for others it seemed infinite as it has all my life before your eyes i endured a blow from your brother i acknowledged my marriage in public but to what to apply my strength that is what i've never seen and do not see now in spite of all your praises in switzerland which i believed in i am still capable as i always was of desiring to do something good and of feeling pleasure from it at the same time i desire evil and feel pleasure from that too but both feelings are always too petty and are never very strong my desires are too weak they are not enough to guide me on a log one may cross a river but not on a chip. i say this that you may not believe that i am going to uri with hopes of any sort as always i blame no one I've tried the depths of debauchery and wasted my strength over it but i don't like vice and i didn't want it you have been watching me of late do you know that i looked upon our iconoclasts with spite from envy of their hopes but you had no need to be afraid i could not have been one of them for i never shared anything with them and to do it for fun from spite i could not either not because i am afraid of the ridiculous i cannot be afraid of the ridiculous but because i have after all the habits of a gentleman and it disgusted me but if i had felt more spite and envy of them i might perhaps have joined them you can judge how hard it has been for me and how i've struggled from one thing to another dear friend great and tender heart which i divined perhaps you dream of giving me so much love and lavishing on me so much that is beautiful from your beautiful soul that you hope to set up some aim for me at last by it no it's better for you to be more cautious my love will be as petty as i am myself and you will be unhappy your brother told me that the man who loses connection with his country loses his gods that is all his aims one may argue about everything endlessly but from me nothing has come but negation with no greatness of soul no force even negation has not come from me everything has always been petty and spiritless kirillov in the greatness of his soul could not compromise with an idea and shot himself but i see of course that he was great-souled because he had lost his reason i can never lose my reason and i can never believe in an idea to such a degree as he did i cannot even be interested in an idea to such a degree i can never never shoot myself i know i ought to kill myself to brush myself off the earth like a nasty insect but i am afraid of suicide for i am afraid of showing greatness of soul i know that it will be another sham again the last deception in an endless series of deceptions what good is there in deceiving oneself simply to play at greatness of soul indignation and shame i can never feel therefore not despair forgive me for writing so much i wrote without noticing a hundred pages would be too little and ten lines would be enough ten lines would be enough to ask you to be a nurse since i left skvoreshniki i've been living at the sixth station on the line at the stationmaster's. i got to know him in the time of debauchery five years ago in petersburg no one knows i am living there write to him i enclose the address nikolai stavrogin Darya Pavlovna went at once and showed the letter to Varvara Petrovna. She read it and asked Dasha to go out of the room so that she might read it again, alone. But she called her back very quickly. Are you going? she asked, almost timidly. I am going, answered Dasha. Get ready. We'll go together. Dasha looked at her inquiringly. What is there left for me to do here? What difficulty will it make? I'll be naturalized in Uri, too, and live in the valley. Don't be uneasy. I won't be in the way they began packing quickly to be in time to catch the midday train but in less than half an hour's time alexey yegoritch arrived from skvoreshniki he announced that nikolay vsyevolodovitch had suddenly arrived that morning by the early train and was now at skvoreshniki but in such a state that his honour did not answer any questions walked through all the rooms and shut himself up in his own wing though i received no orders i thought it best to come and inform you alexey yegoritch concluded with a very significant expression varvara petrovna looked at him searchingly and did not question him the carriage was got ready instantly varvara petrovna set off with dasha they say that she kept crossing herself on the journey in nikolay vsyevolodovitch's wing of the house all the doors were open and he was nowhere to be seen wouldn't he be upstairs Fomushka ventured it was remarkable that several servants followed varvara petrovna while the others all stood waiting in the drawing-room they would never have dared to commit such a breach of etiquette before varvara petrovna saw it and said nothing they went upstairs there there were three rooms but they found no one there wouldn't his honour have gone up there someone suggested pointing to the door of the loft and in fact the door of the loft which is always closed had been opened and was standing ajar the loft was right under the roof and was reached by a long very steep and narrow wooden ladder there was a sort of little room up there too i am not going up there why should he go up there said varvara petrovna turning terribly pale as she looked at the servants they gazed back at her and said nothing dasha was trembling varvara petrovna rushed up the ladder dasha followed but she had hardly entered the loft when she uttered a scream and fell senseless The citizen of the canton of Uri was hanging there behind the door. On the table lay a piece of paper with the words in pencil. No one is to blame. I did it myself. Beside it on the table lay a hammer, a piece of soap and a large nail, obviously an extra one in case of need. The strong silk cord upon which Nikolai Vsyevolodovitch had hanged himself had evidently been chosen and prepared beforehand and was thickly smeared with soap. Everything proved that there had been premeditation and consciousness up to the last moment. At the inquest, our doctors absolutely and emphatically rejected all idea of insanity. End of part three, chapter eight, recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine. End of the possessed by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett.